Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college half of our flagship pod here at Campus to Canton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Hoping your weeks went better than Aaron Rodgers here uh, as we make it through week two of the college football season. Uh, two data points better than one. So we have double the idea of what we're talking about this week, right, Colin? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's basically how math works. So I think logically, yeah, we know twice as much. Man, imagine I'm going to know 10 times as much in week 10. That's going to be, I've never been smarter than week 10. <laughs> Galaxy so brain. Much. Exactly. Exactly. Um, all right, guys, we're going to review week two, as we always do. I have a couple of topics. We're going to talk about some guys that we are panicking about, or maybe not this early in the season after two games. Uh, how should we be valuing Evan Stewart after another monster performance from him? Uh, and of course, waiver wire starts sits. You guys know the drill. Before we get into the heart of the show here, though, guys, real quick, just on our in-season programming, make sure you're checking out the tailgate every Saturday morning, 10 to noon Eastern. Uh, we cover the whole slate, uh, betting, start sits, injury news, basically anything else that you can think of. We take live questions, lots of good stuff on there. Our YouTube page, the spot to find that, and that's just Campus 2 Canton. Uh, check out all the shows in the podcast feed here. Uh, and then for all of our NIL members, I, I know that like a quarter of you aren't even, aren't even subscribed to this, this podcast channel that you guys, this premium podcast channel that you guys get. It's got a Matt Waldman show on it that nobody else gets and nobody's yep. interested in these podcasts. I don't, I don't understand. I don't want to say nobody, but I, there's a large percentage of you guys that just are not accessing this, this podcast feed. I don't know what you're missing out on. Um, so go ahead head over there. Uh, three weekly shows on there. I think it's good stuff. Um, yeah, uh, really helpful uh, for in-season pivoting, you know, strategy, uh, waivers, uh, real specific, you know, trades you can make, um, and obviously Waldman's evaluations as well. So all good stuff. What are you waiting for? That should be our motto. Get over there if you're in the NIL uh, uh, tier or all 22 at campus2canton.com, who we are affiliated with in case we didn't mention that. In case there's any the confusion. Show. Loosely. Loosely. They don't claim us, but we claim them. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Colin. Let's hop right in here to the week two in review. And I think we have to start. Is is Texas back and is Bama done, Colin? I answer those questions for me first before we talk about some specifics. Is Texas back? Yes. Texas is back. I said it on the tailgate leading into the show. I picked Texas to win this game. Um I, I think they're back. I think this Texas team is very talented. The The offensive line in week one was a little shaky. thought they looked a lot better in this one. Um, Quinn Ewers had his best game. There's tons of skill web uh, players on, on this field, on the field there. They have, they're very deep at that as well. The defense looks pretty, pretty solid. Um, I think Alabama is probably the toughest game that they were going to have all year. Um, Oklahoma looks like they could be pretty good. We'll see when they actually play like, like a real team. Um, I was going to say, maybe, maybe I'm crazy, <laughs> but they, they haven't played anybody yet. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see when, when they play a real team, although shout out to rice who maybe we were a little too hard on in week one, like Agreed. after they right just beat Houston. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that Texas is, is back, and this game really signals that. 
Agreed. I think, oh, I, I mean, agreed on like the, the rice maybe being better than uh, we thought. Um, yeah, I, I, I it, potentially. Um, I don't think Texas is back for sure. Still think there's some issues with week to week consistency. I'm still not sure. Um, as much as I actually really like AD Mitchell uh, and JT Sanders, obviously uh, as a secondary option there for them, and then Jonte Cook if they're if they're going to give him a full shot. Um, I think they the, the skill guys still have not proven themselves on that team. Now maybe we get to the end of the season, and that's a nice uh, chunk of games for them to kind of grow into their roles and figure out what they're doing there offensively. But they really don't. I don't think they they know what they want to do with the skill guys yet. I think the running back rotation still isn't set. I think they're still throwing the ball to Jordan Whittington five to seven times a game, which is inexcusable. I think there are other players that can fill that role uh, for you. I, you shouldn't play Jordan Whittington at all. You should just play JT Sanders in that role and then let the other guys work deeper than that. I, I don't really understand the, the thinking there. Um, so overall, I still think there's a lot to fix there. I don't think they're back. But I do think this is a really good start for them. Well, uh, let me do th- go ahead. Let me just ask this: What would they have to do to be back in your mind? Like through, I mean, through the first two games of the season. Obviously, it's still a little early. But what what point will you say? Okay, Texas is back. If we find a, if they can run the ball consistently, really through one guy, it doesn't have to be a guy getting thirty carries. That's not what I mean. I just mean that week in, week out, there's at least one guy that they can count on to run the ball consistently. They have not found that at this point. And as much as this was a really good game for Quinn, he hasn't done he, – he must hate Alabama, man. And we're going to talk about Quinn Ewers here in a minute. He must hate Alabama. Last year against them, he went uh, uh, two for three on passes below – or uh, uh, beyond 20 yards. The rest of the season, I believe he went um, – not or uh 10 for 48 i think and then in this game he went three for six and i think last week he was like one for seven or something like that like he just hates alabama like i i need to see him do this against other teams too he, he can't just torch alabama and then be like okay that was that was a good performance you know i, I, I proved something so quint consistency out of quinn a running back that they can count on and then i just need to see them establish a wide a, a wide receiver pecking order that makes sense i don't know i mean that's totally discounting the defense who I actually thought played pretty well in this game and they look way more athletic than they have the past couple yeah. years that i will a thousand percent give them um so you know that th- those are my thoughts on why i don't think texas is okay. all the way back but a good start to the season for them. fair enough fair enough just my opinion is bama done um, no, I don't think Bam is done. I, I mean, I think we said it kind of coming into this year. Uh, and, and, you know, you mentioned it in your, your takeaways article here that Bama has just done a really poor job recruiting the quarterback position and the wide receiver position. Uh, and in today's college football landscape, you need both of those things if you're going to be like a legitimate contender, unless you have like a historic defense like Georgia um, or at the very least, you have to have one of the two be able to elevate the other. Uh, You just passing rules football nowadays, and you have to have either a very good receiver room or a very good quarterback, but they don't have either. So that is going to hurt them for sure. 
Uh, I think they'll ultimately start to get things figured out offensively. They'll, and we can talk about this in a moment, but they'll, they'll run things through the running game probably a little bit more. Um, and they'll have some other games where they can kind of beat up on, on some teams. Um, so I, I don't think they're done. They'll probably, I, I feel fairly confident saying they'll finish the year as a top 10 team still probably like right around 10, I think, to be honest. Um, but uh, the other teams in the, um, SEC West have some flaws as well. So I, I still could see them making it out of the SEC West. I mean, they have the next, after this week, the six games after that are pretty tough, but like none that I think is, is a team that I would trust to come out and put together a complete performance. They've got USF this week. I wouldn't look past that game. I mean, I think USF can score some points, but I would, I think we all expect Bama to win that, but then they've got Ole Miss. Mississippi State, Texas A&M, Arkansas, Tennessee, and LSU. That's a pretty tough stretch. It would have shocked me if they win all six of those games. No, because Tennessee hasn't been very good. We're going to talk about the panic meter with them here in a few minutes. LSU bounced back a little bit this week, but uh, we saw when they went up against against a team that was (laughs) you know, uh, similarly talented to them. They did not look good. Um, And A&M, I mean... Jeez, now they always get up for Bama, but man, that is a pretty, pretty. Miami's not a bad team. You can still have a bad loss to a good team, and I think yeah, A&M had a bad loss this weekend um, to to Miami. So I, this that's a tough stretch. That's a tough stretch. I don't know. I don't know. It is a tough stretch. I think um, you know, like you said, we'll talk about Tennessee in a moment. I think with LSU, that'll be like the real uh, the real deciding factor for them as to you know. If they beat LSU, I think they win the uh, the SEC West. Um, although, you know, I think Ole Miss is a little bit of a sleeper, and I said at the beginning of the season, but they um, they have some flaws as well, and I think Bama can take advantage of that. But it's really going to come down to that LSU game. Um, so we'll see how that ends up shaking out. But I, I, like like we've been saying, like I said, it ultimately comes down to the the quarterback and the receivers. So that's going to be the big struggle for them all all year uh let's get into some uh player specific takes from this game since that's really what we care about here uh quinn ewers best game of his career by a pretty fair margin uh 24 for 38 passing uh 349 yards three touchdowns no interceptions looked really really good pretty much anything they asked him to do i think the one thing that he still does not do very well is he looks a little awkward when you're kind of getting him thrown on the run sometimes. But, um, you know, just I think mis- mistake free, making the deep the deep plays. I don't think the the touchdown to Worthy was a good throw. Like it's a throw that I would expect a player that I think has round one or round two NFL potential to make. But I think it's you know mm-hmm. a, it's a good throw. Uh, the second long touchdown was just like a total gimme. I mean, yeah. I don't have, I have like no arm strength. I don't I don't know if I would have gotten the ball there, but I would expect again, competent college was that quarterback the, even. Was that the one to AD Mitchell? Yeah, that was one. Yeah. He was just running wide open. Yeah. I don't know if there was a guy within seven, eight, nine yards of him. Uh, just kind of had to lay it out there and not F it up, which he did. So um, that was good. So, I mean, I, a good performance from him. Uh, I still have him as a sell, but I think, and I think this is, this creates even more leverage for you if you want to move him. Um, I think he is a sell in the right circumstance. If I am, um, if I am competing on the NFL side, 
and I want to try to upgrade Quinn Ewers to an like on to an NFL quarterback, and I can package that and get an upgrade on that side. I I would, but I'm not just selling Quinn Ewers to sell him. I still believe he's a first round talent at the quarterback position. Uh, so, you know, is he going to be a CFF stud? Um, like he kind of has been through the first two weeks here. Now, you know, there've been a lot of very good Q- QB performances, but if you've started Quinn Ewers the last two weeks, you're pretty happy with that. Is that going to continue throughout the whole rest of the year? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not, but I still have hope for his NFL future. So if I'm rebuilding on that side and I want to try and build around a player, I still like to have an elite quarterback that I can bring up through that pipeline. So I'm not just going to sell Quinn Ewers off. Here's a dirty little secret about what you should do with probably 95% of top college quarterbacks, quote unquote. You should trade them up into an NFL quarterback before they yes. even touch the NFL. Yeah. All of, pretty much all of them. Caleb's the only guy right now. He's probably the only guy of the past several years. Uh, I wouldn't have moved Trevor Lawrence up or Justin Fields for that matter. Um, but pretty much any quarterback over the past five, six, seven years. Uh, I would be very happy to trade up, even if it knocks off a little bit of the ceiling. Um, I think it just locks in an NFL quarterback for a long time, which uh, those guys can dry up pretty quickly. Obviously, only 32 of them. And of that, how many do we even really value? 20, 24? Yeah, it's not not a ton. So um, I think your best bet with yours, no matter your current roster construction, whether your NFL team stinks, whether it's amazing, whether your college team is amazing, whether it stinks, whether you've got other quarterbacks in the pipeline, Try to trade Quinn up for an NFL quarterback. I think that's a slam dunk. And quite frankly, even if I can't, um, I advised last week on key takeaways that usually I say if you have a quarterback and they're like valued for Debbie, you silo them within quarterback. You move them up into the NFL for an NFL QB, or if like they're super risky and you can't really get rid of them anywhere any other way, then you trade them for like a, a freshman that hasn't broken out yet. But I, I'm, I'm a little less interested in that. I really just want to push them up for an NFL quarterback. I said last week, I was fine going outside the silo for him. I was fine trading him for an NFL piece. One of our members sent out some trade offers and got Stefan Diggs back for him for a team that Whoa. was trying to rebuild on the NFL side. And the more I think about it, I don't think that's an unrealistic trade scenario. I bet other people could pull off a very similar deal because I think if your team, your NFL team is bad, Diggs has what? Maybe we think like maybe two, three more year usable yeah. years. We don't want to look beyond that or to count on beyond that certainly possible that he could have a couple more years, but you know, you're not going to bet on that. Uh, and yours is probably attractive for a rebuilder. So uh, a, a guy in that range, I think is very, very, I would trade him for Devonte Adams straight up if I could, but we yeah. talked about that on Kent bound before we retired from it, that I think he ages uh, pretty gracefully. Um, Calvin Ridley, even maybe like I'd be fine. I probably wouldn't trade him for running back if I didn't have to, unless my NFL team was a piece away just because I tend to not try to acquire NFL running backs until my team's ready um, to compete. Like the, the window is firmly open. Um, but I think those are realistic scenarios. And I would be more than happy to send out those kind of offers for him. I think it's, it's dependent on what the other the other owner has. You can't just send it to a guy that's competing and try to get his stuff on digs. That's right. never going to work. But um, I, th- I think it's possible in, 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 in um, a not insignificant amount of leagues where you can pull off a trade like that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if you can pull something like that off, I'm, I'm on board with it. Like I said, I'm not, uh, I understand the the logic right now behind selling Quinn Ewers and I don't disagree with that, but it's, it's not just like a sell at all costs for me. You know, like I am, 
going to be selective with it if I'm going to move him. I mean, I would I would do the same thing with Drake May. We're going to talk about him here in a minute. So, you know, I just I I pretty much always opt to trade those quarterbacks uh, if I can do it. Yeah. Um, the targets. I think I talked about this a little bit earlier. Uh, really, only two guys that got meaningful targets. Xavier Worthy had nine. Sanders, uh, Jatavian Sanders, JT Sanders had seven. Um, both had five catches. Um, were were the the predominant guys, I believe. Uh, the next uh, highest were uh, Jordan Whittington and AD Mitchell, who both or he goes by Adnai now. Went from mm-hmm. Adnai to AD, and now I got used to saying AD, and now it's back to Adnai. Um, both had five, and then that was like kind of it. Um, I don't know. Just tell us anything. I mean, I, I don't know. Offense runs through those two guys. I mean, they're they're probably their best two right now, outside of Jonte Cook, who I think it could very easily be that third guy, but they don't seem to want to do that yet. Yeah, I mean, I think JT Sanders' usage um, this far into the year has been very reassuring. Uh, it, you know, if, if you t- drafted him this year, you were drafting him as a as a top two tight end. It was Bowers and then maybe like another two rounds later, and then you were getting, you were seeing JT Sanders go off the board. So you spent a decent pick on him, hoping that you would get collegiate production, and then that's going to turn into NFL production. We'll see on the NFL side. I still think he's, you know, like a top 50 NFL pick. Um, we'll see how that ends up shaking out. But it's looking good right now for college. I mean, uh, anytime your tight end goes over 100 yards, that's a great week. You know, and then he get, throws five catches on top of that. Seven targets is really nice for a tight end as well. So I think you feel really good about JT Sanders. Xavier Worthy. We felt pretty good about him at times too. Like he, he's kind of one of like a little bit more boomer bust. Um, he got in the end zone in this game, but if he doesn't get in the end zone, you know, then it's it's five for seventy five. So you're not. That would be if you said to sit him in our start sit competition. And he goes five for seventy five. That's twelve point five points. Like that's that's a hit. So he kind of fluctuates a little bit more, but it is still nice to see him getting the nine targets. Uh, but I think my big takeaway is very reoccur- reassuring for Sanders. Let's move over to Alabama. Uh, not their best night, and they still only lose by a touchdown. I mean, this is still a one-score game for them. That's the thing about about a lot of these big Alabama losses. They're 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 not really out of any of these games, uh, which is why I don't necessarily think that their demise is upon us. Um. Man, there's so many places to start here because I think the whole the whole offensive roster, Sands, offensive line, and I think to a certain degree running back is just extremely disappointing. I think they've done a really poor job. It, it's tough to say that they've it, it, it's it's recruiting or it's developing talent, but I think generally speaking, the we liked the Jacory Brooks, Ajayi Hall, um, uh, JoJo Earl class. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, the past couple of classes, we as a group have not liked. We have said at the time, we don't think these are these are not. I mean, if you if you're Ole Miss, it's a great recruiting class. If you're Alabama, they're not good recruiting classes at wide receiver. I think the best wide receiver we had there for them this year, if you don't count Malik Benson, who I think none of us had graded like superhumanly, was Jaron Hamilton. Jalen Hale. I mean, yeah. I think we all said we thought Jalen Hill was a good player, but like, what does he offer that's like any different than what they had? Go back to class before that. I think we liked Isaiah Bond, but again, this wasn't a guy that got a 
a huge rating from us, a guy that was a, 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 a tier one receiver. They just haven't had those guys coming in lately. And it shows if you look at their target distribution from, from this game, I mean, Kobe Prentice led the team with six targets. He had five catches for 68 yards. Amari Nyblack was second. He had four four targets. He had two catches for 45 yards. Jermaine Burton, uh, similar stat line. Isaiah Bond had one catch on three targets. Um, uh, Malik Benson had two on two, but they weren't huge plays. Torrey Brooks had one target, no catches. I mean, this staff has failed this wide receiver room, either from a recruiting standpoint or maybe, I mean, we, we could, maybe they're really talented. We're wrong, but they haven't developed anybody there either. Right. So um, I think it's really concerning and it doesn't look like they have anybody really coming in next year either. That sounds like Ryan Williams, the top 2025 kid who's committed to Bama, maybe reclassifying. So he's a guy that could maybe step in and do something. But for right now, this is not, I don't feel great about projecting any of these guys at, at the moment, not even Bond or Benson, who are the guys that we're supposed to like. Yeah, I think at this point, we have kind of seen enough of Jacory Brooks that he's toast. Um, I, I think we can kind of discount him. And, and he had one target in this game as well. Um, I think we're starting to see Malik Benson overtake him a little bit. Um, so I am intrigued to see how that shakes out moving forward um, before I totally write him off or anything. But the rest of the, and I mean, and, and I'll lump him into this too, Benson, that this whole wide receiver room, like you said, it's, it's been disappointing. Nobody's really been a go-to guy. And you're seeing that in the target distribution being a little bit more spread out. Um, I, you know, you saw Jermaine Burton catch a long touchdown in this one and that's kind of what he does, you know, but can he do anything else? doesn't really seem like it. We had high hopes for him. Like he wasn't a recruit from that for them, but we, you know, we had pretty high hopes for him coming in last year. He's also disappointed. This room is it's definitely concerning. Um, and you can put some of it on Jalen Milrow this year, but last year these guys didn't really perform and they had Bryce young. So I, I think we can pretty definitively say at this point, like it's, it's the receivers. And like you said, it doesn't seem like there's much help coming in anytime in the near future. They're going to have to hit the portal. They're going to have to go steal somebody from another team, I think, um, because this is this can't continue. Malik Benson played 18 receiving snaps week one, 18 offensive snaps week one and played 29 week two. I mean, what are we doing here? This the, you're, you're not getting anything out of these guys. This, this makes no sense. Uh, really overall to be playing him that little, um, quite frankly. Uh, I don't know that we need to have a discussion really on on a uh, quarterback situation for Alabama. I mean, I think it is, it is what it is at this point. I don't think they have a guy on this team that's going to come out and save them this year. I think we knew that coming into the year. You know, I don't know that, that was, this is a surprise to us uh, overall. Jalen Milrow in this one, uh, 39 dropbacks. 27 pass attempts. He completed only 14 of them, 255 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, he's not, I, he's not adding as much in the rushing game as you would necessarily hope. Um, at least consistently. He had a couple of fumbles this week. I, I just don't, the, I, the problem is you can't pivot anywhere else. I don't think yeah. Ty Buck, Ty Buckner's, uh, or um, yeah, um, Ty Buckner, Ty Simpson's any good. I don't think Buckner's any good. 
I don't think I wouldn't play any of these freshmen. Neither yeah. of them no. we thought were like you know quote unquote ready. I just I, there's no solution there either. You just kind of have to run Milrow out there. The one question that I just don't understand: they're supposed to have this amazing offensive line, this beefy offensive line. Why are they not just running the ball down everybody's throats the whole game? I yep. I don't I don't understand why they're not just trying to do that. Yeah, and we can talk about that in in the panic meter section. But yeah, no, I completely agree that if your quarterback situation is what it is and it's not going to get any better there's nobody on that depth chart that i think we feel good about stepping in and now all of a sudden they're going to be able to throw the ball you got to run it just get back to old school alabama football and that's what we thought was going to happen this year that's you know what we had been saying why we had been high on jace mcclellan and some of these other running backs is because we're like okay look we know we can identify from the outside that this quarterback room is not going to be very good. This wide receiver room is not going to be able to elevate this quarterback. So they're going to run the ball. And we have not seen that through two games up to this point. Now, moving forward, maybe we do. Maybe this was a wake-up call for them. Um, So we'll see. But yeah, I agree. I don't know why they're not just leaning on that run game behind that big offensive line that, like you said, everybody's been hyping up. Um, I think that's enough Alabama, Texas talk. Uh, I do, as you mentioned, want to talk about if we're pressing the panic button on some players here. Uh, I, I have a list of guys here, Colin. Let's just run through them and uh, and see what we think. Um, let's start with Drake May, quarterback at UNC. Um, you know, I, I, I don't want this to be a uh, question of his uh, Debbie potential. Because I still think uh, through two weeks, he's actually not really, I mean, he's not looked bad by any stretch no. of the imagination, I don't think. I think the problem is, as we kind of suspected coming into the season, that they uh, aren't going to pass the ball as much as they did last year. They've uh, only 30 pass attempts in a game that went to overtime uh, this past week against Appalachian State. Uh, only 208 yards passing. They're not pushing the ball downfield. I don't know that they have the guys to really do that right now anyway, and that's because they lost Josh Downs, Antoine Green from last year. Devontae Walker is supposed to kind of be that big downfield guy, not playing. Uh, Nate McCollum has been injured. He's probably a guy that you want to stretch the field with. Um, you know, new, op- new new OC. It just it's none of it's been good. Are we panicking on him? I don't want again, not from a Debbie perspective per se, but from a CFF perspective. Like you can't, you can't play him moving forward, right? No, I think it's a real. You have a really hard time playing him moving forward, like you said. I, I mean, we kind of also talked about this heading into this year too, with all of the turnover on the at the wide receiver position for North Carolina and losing the offensive coordinator. And the guy that they were bringing in, Lindsay, is not our favorite. And he's more, he's, you know, kind of from like the Gus Malzahn tree where they don't really throw, like throw the ball a ton. Uh, They're more running oriented. And we kind of saw that last week with App State with Amari Hampton running buck wild. I mean, he ran for more yards than your star quarterback threw for. Uh, That's a problem. Um, And no, I don't think we can start him moving forward i heading into the year was a little concerned about his cff value given all those changes 
And if we're talking panic meter for just CFF, like this is like a seven. Um, I would be I would be panicking for just CFF for Drake May. His A dot through two games this season, 7.9. His A dot for last season, uh 10.4. Just very noticeable. And he had a ton of games in double digits last year. Yeah. Um more games than not, in fact, in double digits. And he had a couple of games against Notre Dame, 12.7 ADOT against Virginia Tech, 12.9 against Oregon, 12.2, um, 12.3 against Duke. I mean, they were he was really aggressive. And this year, it's just it's it totally been neutered um, from a production standpoint. So um, I think uh, I think you cannot start him moving forward. I think we're both in agreement there. Uh, one guy that I do want to talk about is Debbie Value is Kate Klubnick at Clemson. Um, he's been terrible. Yeah, I'm sorry. He's been terrible. And I think the biggest concern with him is that he's supposed, if, if he's going to quote unquote, make it in the NFL, he's a guy who isn't uber athletic. He doesn't have the biggest arm. So this is a guy that needs to be hyper accurate, needs to be able to consistently read defenses and not make bad decisions. Um, and what is he doing? He's been inaccurate and he's been making awful decisions. PFF has him with three turnover worthy plays. That's Which hilarious. It's yeah. at least twice that. Um, like I'm not even like, like this is a pretty l- like liberal viewing of the, the term like big or, uh, turnover worthy plays. Like I'm not nitpicking here. Like there are plays where he's just throwing it to defend like straight at defenders. I don't know what he's been doing all year. Uh, I know they won big this weekend, but it was what Charleston Southern or whatever. It started slow. It too. started off terrible. He threw fumble, interception, whatever it was that flew up in the air and got returned for a touchdown. I mean, he's he's been bad, like just straight up. I think he's not good. I th- I think I think he's better than DJU though, probably. If that you know, to to say that. I'm still not like, I bet Clemson wishes they hadn't run off DJU. I still think he's better than DJ. Um, I, I don't know if I can definitively say that, um, that, that he's better than DJU. I mean, I think it's possible that they're both just bad, but um, I, I mean, shout out to, uh, to Matt Bruning for being on the Cade Klubnik is not very good bandwagon from the beginning of last year. Uh, and not rating him as highly as some of the other, uh, the rest of us, myself included, you know, may, I think we propped him up maybe a little bit higher than what he should have, because I, I agree with you. It's just from a traits and skills perspective, he's not the type of player who's going to beat you with his athleticism or his arm. And he's not showing the type of passing ability and the ability to read a defense um, that, he's going to need to, to be successful at the NFL level. So Debbie value. Yeah, definitely panicked on club Nick. People were talking about Kate club Nick with Garrett Riley coming in as, as potentially being a, you know, every single week starter at the quarterback position for you um, on the CFF side. And yeah, he threw for 315 yards and four touchdowns last week against Charleston Southern, but that's Charleston Southern. And he did not look good doing it like the acc does not have fantastic defenses and i'm still worried about his cff production moving forward so i'm worried about club nick from debbie and cff perspectives 
I mean, I already would have been pretty skeptical about playing him for fantasy. I guess this past week you probably would have been tempted, but I also think everybody had cupcake schedules last week, yeah. which has been making the start sits very difficult for us. Yes. Uh, we're not doing great, but I think I'm pretty sure we start off a little slow every year because I think so. Yeah. They can't be obvious names. So you're like, you're just like, okay, oh yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, long and short, I, I don't think I was, I would have, I wanted to start him for CFF purposes. And for the record, I have one Drake May and I have, I'm pretty sure zero Kate Klubnik. Um, and it's not like, haha, like I'm, I'm right. I was right. I think it's just like understanding risk and where some of these teams are right now. I don't think either of them were buys coming into the season. Like I no. think. They probably were being drafted too highly. Um, I mean, it's hard to say that about Drake May because it's like, I mean, like he's not locked into top five draft pick, but like how far does he fall? 10, 15. I mean, you can't let him fall beyond three, four in a, in a college draft, especially with the exodus of talent this year. So I don't blame people if you had, you know, the second pick or the third pick from taking him, but it's just like, they're probably being overdrafted in a vacuum. And these are the kind of guys that if you can get rid of them or cannot acquire them, you're probably better in the long run. So uh, zero QB always and forever. Uh, Jace McClellan, Colin, are we, are we panicking on the Alabama running back? Uh, don't believe he's gotten over four yards per carry in either of their games this year, uh, which is uh, extra concerning because week one opponent, was not great. Um, and uh, he did score a touchdown, which made his day from a fantasy perspective look not terrible, um, but uh, not not amazing here either. Um, not doing a ton as a receiver. Uh, only 22 attempts through two weeks, 84 yards, one touchdown. I don't know. I mean, he is actually forcing a decent amount of mixed tackles on limited carries. He has six missed tackles on 12 attempts last week, and he had five on 10 the week before that. So I, does this speak to more of an offensive line issue? I, I I don't know, but he hasn't been great so far. Yeah, he has not been great so far. I mean, in terms of missed tackles force, like you said, 11 missed tackles force on 22 carries. So he seems like he's, you know, and, and I didn't really watch the first game against Middle Tennessee. Nah, uh, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll be honest. Like, I didn't really watch that one. Um but this week, like he didn't look bad when he was in there. But like you said, is it maybe the offensive line that's not quite as as highly thought of as we thought originally? I'm not entirely sure. But in terms of a workload standpoint, um, he has more than double the next closest running back in terms of snaps, which would be Roydell William. Um, and he has 22 carries on the year to Roydell Williams nine. So he seems like he's mostly the guy, which is kind of what we predicted. Uh, we'll see how it shakes out moving forward, because like I said, I, I, we talked about, I think they need to just embrace the the ground and pound and run the ball, assuming that their offensive line is, is what we thought it would be. Um, so I am not panicked on Jace McClellan yet. I am a little worried on it. Like if we're talking, where is he on the meter? He's probably like a five. Um, so I, I'm, I'm hanging tight for right now, but I'm a little worried. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm a little worried too, but I'm not freaking out yet. I'm probably not starting him if I have a better option for a week or yeah. two. Um, but I have a hard time believing. I don't know that they know their identity yet, and maybe they don't figure it out, but I think that would be very un-Alabama-like. Yeah. So I do think eventually uh, he'll start getting more touches. They'll they'll get the run game figured out a little bit more. Uh, Tyron Smith, a wide receiver at UTEP, a guy that was really productive last year, 70-something catches, I believe went over 1,000 yards, a handful of touchdowns as well as kind of – UTEP does struggles, especially against any opposition that's worth a damn to run the ball. So he works as kind of an extension of that run game near the line of scrimmage, uh, dangerous with the ball in his hands, um, kind of a lower a dot guy overall. Um, target volume though was, was amazing last year. Um, if he had, let's see how many games here. It's easier to count the games that he had under uh, 10 uh, targets. One, two, he had four games under 10 targets, uh, and one of them he had nine. So, I mean, games of 15 targets, 17 targets, 13, uh, three games with 12 targets. I mean, he, he was targeted very, very heavily. So far through 2023, he had nine targets this past week, four and seven the two weeks before that. Um, hasn't gone over 50 yards yet, a single touchdown. I mean, this was a guy that I thought just based on sheer volume, it wouldn't matter. Kind of like Terrell Vaughn, although Terrell Vaughn has found the end zone a bunch this year, so that's kind of been a moot point. Um, but he's not. like he, below Five or fewer catches for under 50 yards, that's like that's 10 fantasy points a week. Like That's not, that's not going to cut that's it. That's terrible. That's really bad for college fantasy. Yeah, NFL, you might be happy with that out of your second flex guy. But college, that's, that's bad. Uh, I'm, I'm freaking out. Are you freaking out? I'm freaking out, man. Um, yeah, no, I, I am worried about Tyron Smith and I think mostly because they haven't really played any good teams there either. Like sometimes when you get the Northwestern's not a good team <laughs> incarnate word Jacksonville state. Yeah. Sometimes when you get these G five schools throughout like the first couple of weeks, like these guys aren't producing, but it's because they're playing these like tough power five programs that's not the case here northwestern these are these are some bad teams that they're playing northwestern included uh and he's just still not producing the offense as a whole has not been great um so i am i am worried about tyron smith as well i am kind of panicking on him if i was relying on him to be a starter uh, I need to look another direction. I need to find somebody on the waiver wire, or I hope I have somebody else on the bench that I can put in and still feel good about because I would not want to be trotting him out there. Yeah, I feel I feel a little targeted there, Colin. I feel like that that felt like a little bit of a personal jab. I don't I don't know I don't know. Uh, I wouldn't say it was a personal jab, but um, you know, I did have you in mind as I was thinking about it. It wasn't directed at you. I saw I saw you stick a pin in that Austin Voodoo doll that you have. I saw it. I saw it. Uh, I saw that you got that as a wedding gift too. I didn't say anything at the time, but well, uh, what's weird is Kelsey's the one who gave it to me. Yeah. Well, it's been hers for years. Yeah. I think I'm always in a boot when you see me. <laughs> I've actually never been in a boot in my life. I don't think. Um, you may want to knock on wood. <laughs> there you go. Uh, last one here. And I think this one is perhaps the most interesting. Are we freaking out about Tennessee's offense two games so far? 
Uh, they've won both games and they've won them uh, from a scoreline perspective fairly comfortably. These are games that they haven't been able to pull away uh, until fairly late and not particularly good opposition, Virginia and uh, Austin P last week. Uh, Joe Milton, 30 attempts week one, 33 last week. Uh, he's completing over 6% of his passes, uh, but the yards per attempt is awful. Yeah. Yep. He uh, like really, really bad, which I think part of that is due to Mark uh, uh, Squirrel White being hurt, Marquise White um, being banged up, who's I think supposed to be their their best deep guy. Um, but I mean, I, th- I think it's time to worry a little bit. I mean, they've had to really target Ramel Keaton, Brew McCoy. Neither of those guys are built to be the guy in an offense at all. Um, Deontay Thornton. I asked our CFF team before we hopped on the show, I could not find anything about a Dante Thornton injury. So I said, did Dante Thornton get hurt? You guys usually know some of this stuff that I don't know. And they were all like, no, I think he just like, they were like, no. And I was like, he just stinks. He's terrible. He was terrible at Oregon. We all said he was terrible. And then he went to Tennessee and their, their whole media group was like, Oh, Dante Thornton's awesome. The staff wants to use Dante Thornton. You're going to use their moving him all over the place. Look at Dante Thornton run. It's like, yeah, that's all he can do. That's all he can do is run. He stinks at playing football. Um, yeah, I to to answer the the question that was buried in there. Um, yeah, I am worried about this Tennessee offense right now, and it's because of what you said with the a dot and the yards per attempt for Joe Milton, he's supposed to have this huge cannon and he's supposed to be able to take the top off of a defense and, and hit the, the goalpost from 60 yards away and 60. try like 80. Um, well, okay. End zone too. So he probably like has the best arm I've ever seen. Is that, is that him and Jamarcus Russell? I think it's stronger than Jamarcus Russell's. I don't remember Russell's be arm being quite this strong. I was pretty young when Jamarcus Russell was coming up through. So I wasn't scouting at that point, but I remember the videos of him like throwing on his knees and hitting the goalpost or something. Um, but the thing with Joe Milton is that's what he's supposed to do well. And he, he can't now, whether is that because squirrel white's not in there right now, that that could be, you know, they don't have somebody necessarily right now to take the top off a of defense like that. But with a 6.7 yards per attempt, 7.3 a dot, that's not cutting it from it from Joe Milton. And you know what his a dot was last year? Joe Milton? Yeah. Don't look it up. Uh, yeah. 12. Higher. Higher. 15. Higher. 18. 17.8. 17.8. Yeah. Which like, even that's not sustainable. Well, I don't want to say it's not sustainable because that's who he is. He did it over uh, multiple games, Uh, 82 attempts. I mean, that's the decent sample size to get that high of an ADOT. Um, But, I mean, 10 yards less this year. That's crazy difference. Yeah, so unless Squirrel White comes back uh, in the near future and is, like, fully healthy and we start to see him letting it loose over the top, then – I am worried because these were not difficult games. They should have been able to impose their will against these teams. And they should be this Tennessee offense should be connecting on 40 and 50 yard bombs on Austin P. So I am worried about this. And when we get into SEC play, this Tennessee team still isn't 
moving it along. I I don't know. I'd be interested to see what they what they do. Here's the dirty little secret about this Tennessee offense that I think is um, not acknowledged enough. Joe Milton started two games last year after Hendon Hooker went down. He started the game against Vanderbilt, and then he started the bowl game against Clemson. Did he start against South Carolina? Uh, I don't think he started that game. Was that the game he finished? Was that game he threw Hooker eight pass hurt? attempts, which leads me to believe he did not start that game. Yeah, but I, I don't know that for sure. The two games that he started last year that were like kind of uh, got people riled up: twenty-one pass attempts against Vanderbilt and twenty-eight against Clemson. This is actually not an offense that passes the ball a lot, so I do think the attempts are in line with what we can expect, at least mm-hmm. on the high end of things, especially because. Joe Milton is is such a wild card. <laughs> Every time he drops back to pass, I don't think you want him throwing the ball 45 times because there's definitely going to be a lot more bad mixed in with that than, than you would get with, with half that uh, in terms of attempts or two-thirds of that. Um, but without the explosive plays, like the, the quarterback here is actually not really worth a lot. Yeah. And the one thing you can really expect out of this offense is the explosive plays. Like That's kind of the constant. It's not, it's not Braden Shager throwing 48 passes a game. Um, it's, you know, you're throwing 28, but you're, you're hitting four plays of 40 yards plus, And that kind of makes your day. So if they're not doing that, if they don't have the guys in there to do that, Ramel Keaton cannot do that consistently. Brew McCoy cannot do that consistently. I think some of the freshmen that they have this year have the profile to do it consistently, but it doesn't seem like they're super interested in trotting those guys out there at this stage. So I think it's it's tough, and I think the other big thing is, you know, they are running the ball a decent amount, but none of their running backs have more than 26 attempts through two games. Now, granted, Jamari Small is averaging over six yards per carry, and Jalen Wright is actually averaging almost 10 yards per carry on, like, 25 attempts. Like, again, small sample size, but, like, not four carries, and he's doing that. So this is a, they've been rushing the ball well, but it's so spread out that you can't count on any of these guys unless it's Dylan Sampson with four touchdowns. Uh, and they're not passing the ball deep enough to make any of those guys interesting. I, if uh, next week, I, well, they play Florida. I mean, I don't, I don't know that that's like a, I think that's a middle of the pack opponent. I wouldn't feel comfortable starting anybody against them. I'm not starting Joe Milton, probably not starting squirrel, not starting any of those running backs. Uh, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable playing any of those guys. Yeah. That might be a precursor to something we talk about later. Who knows? Um, not me. Oh, but... did I steal your thunder? Oh, did I steal your thunder? <laughs> uh a little bit we'll get there though we'll get there but yeah no i i agree it's the running backs they've been running the ball well but it's too spread out at this point to rely on anybody the last point uh and it's a smaller one that i want to talk about here because i we we discussed whether we would talk the the full texas a&m game i don't think that's necessary for now um maybe at a later date uh not this specific maybe maybe we'll talk texas a&m at a later date um, but I do want to talk a little bit about the value of Evan Stewart, a guy that I feel like I've always had ranked highly, but maybe not like in that upper, upper echelon of player. He's actually the only top player across my 14 or 15 C2C leagues that I have zero of that I wish I had. There's a couple other guys that I don't have any of. I don't have any, um, KK Klubnik. <laughs> I don't really regret that. I actually don't have any Drew Alar. I don't think I regret that at the moment. Um, 
Evan Stewart's the one top guy that I don't have any of that that is upsetting to me. Um, he's been everything that we wanted this year. And I think we knew that he was this talented coming into this offseason. I think the only question was, are they going to let Bobby Petrino open this offense up enough to pass the ball where he can get a consistent volume, uh, you know, a, a, a target share. And so far this year, uh, double digit targets, both weeks led the country in targets uh, this past uh, weekend against Miami had 17 targets uh, overall. Um, he's had a hundred yards receiving uh, in both games here. I'm pulling up his exact stats now. Yeah. He had 10 targets week one had 17 this week, uh, two touchdowns week one, none this past week, but you know, th those come and go. Um, a lot of the things that we like to see 21% slot, but he's playing out wide 70% of the time. Um, yards after catch uh, per reception. He's almost averaging almost three yards uh, after the catch per reception. Not bad. Yards per route run is elite. It's over three. His A dot is thirteen. That's a great number. Uh, contested catches. He's doing well uh, in 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 those categories. Um, really, the one thing that he's not doing a ton of is making defenders miss, which I think he is capable of. Yeah. Just hasn't done it yet this year. Um, so I mean, this is a guy that I I. Wide receiver three. Wide receiver three. I, I think I bumped him up there this week. That seemed that I think that sounds right. I'm I'm I've had him below Antonio Williams because I thought they were comparable players, but I mean I just can't anymore. I I watch him and I see Garrett Wilson. I think that is what he is essentially. If you look at their underlying numbers through two years, granted only two weeks, very similar. Um, I think the athletic profiles are very, very similar. Um, uh, just just really, really similar players overall. Yeah, I, I've had Evan Stewart as my wide receiver five for a while now at this point, uh, pretty much all summer. And and I still have him there right now. But yeah, I mean, I have Antonio Williams at four. And Antonio Williams has looked pretty good, um, despite Clemson's offense not looking good. And Luther Burden at three. And Luther Burden has looked good. I thought um, you were going to say Ramadunze. Oh, God, no. It's <laughs> great to you need him. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, he would be wide receiver one in that case. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I mean, I have him as my five, so I don't feel like I'm low on him, but I agree. I feel like maybe I do need to be a little bit higher. I feel like wide receiver three is very reasonable. Um, you know, I may bump him up there at that point. I'm going to have to look, take a long look at that because we were really concerned about the offense. And Bobby Petrino is calling the plays here or, you know, that's kind of the way it's been trending. And yeah, uh, he's been, he's been utilizing Stewart. So with the concern about the offense and the utilization being removed and Connor Wigman's been able to get him the ball and looks his way every single time, the volume is there too. So the volume for CFF is there. The ceiling for Debbie is there. Uh, I think if you have him outside your top five, you definitely need to move him up. And I probably wide receiver three feels very reasonable. Yeah. I think Wegman like at worst at this point is like, I, th I think like the worst thing you could say about him is he's probably a pretty good college quarterback. Like I think that's like the floor for expectations for him now. So um, that definitely helps um, there with, with that as well. So um, it's been interesting because that's been a pretty uh, consolidated target share. Uh, to him, even though they have some other guys there, which was also actually uh, a little bit of my worry, even if if they opened it up a little bit. 
this year. I still thought that guys like uh, Moose Muhammad, like uh, Ania Smith, um, uh, Noah Thomas Thomas wasn't really on my radar as a guy that would absorb a lot of targets, but he's he's second most targeted guy on the team. But I mean, uh, Evan Stewart has 27. Noah Thomas has 11. He's the next closest on the team. I mean, he's just talk about a, a target hog just just completely dominating uh the looks there, volume which is pig awesome one might say perhaps oink oink maybe maybe um all right shout out to the top performers of the week as we always do here in season uh donovan smith at houston had 40.1 fantasy points this week amarian hampton uh running back at unc had 43 fantasy points this week gage larvidane i think is how you say <laughs> his name larvidane um Sounds like a Pokemon. It kind of does. <laughs> um, wide receiver Miami of Ohio, uh, 53.3. Is that what got bonuses in there? Um, I Potentially. I'm not entirely sure, but the one that I pulled it off of was like a pretty standard league. That feels like it's got bonuses. I know he had two touchdowns, but I mean. Uh, I don't last, know. Time, last time he I did call an attack. He got a lot of points. A lot of points. I'm looking eight catches, this. 273 yards and three touchdowns. No, I don't think that's. Bonuses. Yeah, I think that'll do it. I think that'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. I retract my previous statement. I'm not going to edit it out, but I retract it. Okay. Um, best I can do. And I'll then take tight the apology. End. That's all right. <laughs> yeah, you're not getting one of those. Holden stays <laughs> tight end from Notre Dame. 27 and a half fantasy points. Um, so some interesting names there and a couple of guys. Maybe you should be picking up on your waiver wire, which is where Ooh. we're headed next. Yeah, look at that. Look at that segue. segue. Um, I think, you know, we're we're trying to give some names that are just not rostered. That means that sometimes, unlike I think last year, we didn't really give out. Any, once we gave a name out, we didn't really give them out again. I think it's still important to note that some of the guys that we talked about last week as like watch list guys um, because we needed to see another week or we're kind of limited waiver or, uh, you know, like open waivers kind of guys. I, I think we, we have another week of data and we like them a little bit more here. So let's toss out some names. Let's start with limited waivers, AKA high priority guys, uh, that you should be picking up in all your leagues. And let's start with Mr. Larva Dane, uh, <laughs> over at Washington, Miami of Ohio. Um, a little bit of a double edged sword, I think with him. 14 targets or uh, uh, 12 targets each of the past two games, 24 total on the season. Um, obviously, the huge week last week has 345 yards and three touchdowns through two games. I think the slightly concerning part is that the team as a whole, he has over 50% of their target share uh, for the season. Um, and those guys are always a little bit risky because you're like, can they maintain it? But I don't worry so much about him because Miami of Ohio always kind of has one guy. That's just kind of what they do. They really concentrate it. Uh, and I will say, like, I don't think Brett Gabbert's like a good quarterback, really. But for the Mac, like, he's serviceable. Yeah. So I don't worry about, like, you know, there being a rotation at QB for the rest of the year. Um, so I think he's a guy that you have to go out and get, uh, quite frankly. Yeah, I would agree, too. I think you you, you have to go out and get Larva Dane. Um, 24 targets. And through two weeks, he said a high target share, but you kind of always see that out of the Miami of Ohio wide receiver one. Um, we saw it out of hip and hammer. Um, 
before him was that Jack Sorensen or was he at Ball State? I always yeah, mix. Uh, yeah, Sorensen was there. Sorensen. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So we saw we we've seen it for years, and they play Cincinnati this week. So Cincinnati doesn't scare me, uh, but then they get Delaware State, and then it's Maction, and none of those defenses in Maction are going to scare you. So I think he's a guy that you can fire up. You pick him up and you just plug him into your lineup for the rest of the year. Uh, so I, he would be my highest priority add here for sure. I don't know. I don't know that he's my highest priority per se, like, or at least like clear, clearly the, the number one guy. Cause I do think there are some other really interesting names. Some names that I think we mentioned last week is watch list or, or open waivers kind of guys that I still see floating around out there. Chris Mitchell at FIU. I'm really kind of coming around on some of these FIU guys. Um, week one or week zero, they threw for like four yards. And then there was such a disaster that they switched to a true freshman quarterback. Like just, this just sounds like a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Um, but Keon Jenkins has actually been pretty good through two games last week. Uh, completed over 60% of his passes. He has a, a solid rushing floor. He's a dual threat guy. Uh, doesn't really make a ton of mis- mistakes so far. The schedule is not going to get that much tougher. And his favorite target is Chris Mitchell, who's gotten double-digit targets each of the past two weeks. I think that's really interesting. I think uh, he's a guy that I like now, even in limited waiver pickup leagues, I'm interested. Uh, and likewise for Eric Brooks at Fresno State, who I think is the guy there last week. I, I And I said last week, I really, really like him. I think he's one of my favorite guys out on waivers. I still see him out there in a couple places. Uh, double-digit targets again this week. Uh, over 100 yards again this week. I don't remember if he caught a touchdown or not, but it doesn't matter because the volume is just so ridiculous with him, and he's so explosive. Um, and then Lincoln Victor, who we talked about last week as a watch list guy, DT Sheffield's not coming back yeah. this year. He's left the yeah. team. So I think Victor's the guy there. So uh, these are these are three guys that I think I still see in a few places. Victor, the least of them. Um, but I think these are guys that I would definitely be adding if I see them out there for sure. Yeah, I agree. I would add all three of those guys as well. Lincoln, Victor, I might have a higher than Gage Larvadine, um, yeah. but I, I probably would. Yeah, but I, there, like you said, he's he's only he's not as available in as many leagues as some of the other um, guys on this list. So I do like all three of those guys, though. Um. Marcus Carroll, I think, also fits in that category. I see him in a couple of leagues, and he had another 100-yard, three-touchdown performance. Can't expect that every week, but, I mean, the volume. He's gotten 20-plus carries each of the past two weeks, and the teams, their schedule uh, on their schedule, not not great. Let's talk about some uh, open waivers, guys. You have unlimited waivers for the year. Um, Colin, I just want, you can talk about all these guys. I believe you, you added all of them and two of them mm-hmm. are probably guys that I'm not necessarily considering yet. So I want to hear you you sell me on some of these guys. Uh, so the first guy that I put on the list is, uh, Makai Hughes, the running back for, um, Tulane. Uh, he's a freshman, I think a redshirt freshman. Um, but he got 23 carries last week. Uh, against Ole Miss in a game where uh, they were the game script wasn't necessarily it wasn't out of reach but it wasn't in their favor it's not like in week one where they kind of uh, beat South Alabama pretty good Um, 23 carries 92 yards and a touchdown so not a phenomenal performance but I think I am 
in, I, I think I would be adding Makai Hughes here because it seems like he's taken over this backfield. Uh, he looked really good in this game. He was constantly cutting up Ole Miss's defense, and that's probably the best defense that they'll play all year um, but until they get to like a bowl game maybe. But he looked good, and the other running backs have not so far. So there are it is a log jam of bodies behind him, but I think he has separated himself. And I'm willing to take that shot in unlimited waivers where you'll notice a lot of the guys that we're talking about on this list are all wide receivers. He is the only running back that we're talking about here. Running back is harder to find, I think. So that's why I would be adding Hughes. Uh, This season, it's harder to find. I think overall, usually it's not too tough to find a couple of running backs, but this year so far, Carroll is really the only big name that's popped up that yeah. I think was widely available. Mm-hmm. Jalen Buckley for Western Michigan, but we talked about how that maybe was a little bit of a mirage. And, and he got like 15 fantasy points this week, so he didn't do bad. No. But um, yeah, I don't think he's the guy that everyone was kind of hoping he'd be after week one. Yeah. No, no. But I, I think Makai Hughes is going to get better as it goes on, too. Uh, the next guy on the list that I put on there was Blue Smith, uh, wide receiver for Western Kentucky, transferred from Ohio State to Cincinnati, now Cincinnati to Western Kentucky. Uh, the main reason I'm adding Blue Smith is the injuries in that wide receiver room. Um, he, it sounds like Malachi Corley is going to play this week against Ohio State. Dalvin Smith was in a walking boot last week. We know we want the wide receiver one in this offense. And Blue Smith has been, he's the second highest targeted wide receiver on this team. Now, again, Malachi Cooley only played one game. Um, and it's so he's behind Dalvin Smith. But Smith, walking boot, that's kind of concerning. Um, so I want to take a preemptive shot here on uh, Blue Smith. Now, I know Easton Messer from last week is the guy who kind of went off for Western Kentucky, but they beat up on Houston Christian. I think that was more of just uh, a factor of that game getting out of hand and they just put the some of the backups in and stuff at the wide receiver position. I think Blue Smith, if something ever happened to Corley and uh, or, or for whatever reason he can't go, like we're kind of expecting him to at this point, where Dalvin Smith is out for any extended period of time, I think Smith steps into that next wide receiver up role. So I would want to be preemptive on that. Uh, and Corley is playing this week. so He's expected uh, to. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not really interested in adding guys yet, but I get, you know, the, the preemptive strike. Yeah. And these are unlimited waiver leagues too. So if I, I, I it's, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting risk. I don't know that I would feel comfortable. I mean, I guess every roster probably has one or two guys that you can just get rid of. Like you're not worried about it, but beyond that, I don't know how much I'd want to churn to add him personally. I and, get and, your point. I mean, I do. Yeah, and maybe my perception is skewed a little bit for unlimited waiver leagues because I think the only unlimited waiver leagues I have are 20 and 24 teamers. Yeah. (laughs) So so I am am definitely adding him in those formats as well. But even I think in in, in a 12-teamer, I would want to be preemptive on that one. Uh, The next guy I have on the list is Jaquan Jackson, the wide receiver for Tulane. Who I'd rather have over Blue Smith if if we're ranking these guys. Yeah, I would probably put Jackson over Smith there as well. He's 14% owned, so I think he's a little bit higher percent owned than Blue Smith. 
but Jackson has 25.6 and 20 fantasy points the past two weeks. Uh, and one of those was with uh, the backup quarterback, who actually looked pretty good in that game. Um, but I think Michael Pratt will be back. I don't think he's going to be out long. So when Pratt comes back, I, I like Jackson a lot. So I think I would go pick him up. Um, he'd probably be, yeah, I'd probably put him ahead of Blue Smith and the next guy on the list as well. Who's the next guy on the list? The next guy on the list I have is um, Jordan Watkins, wide receiver for Ole Miss. Uh, he's looked pretty good so far. He's kind of been like the number two wide receiver on that team. But Trey Harris um, got hurt in the in this past game. I haven't really seen a status update on him. Yeah, I haven't either. Um, so it's a little bit more of a preemptive ad here as well in an unlimited league. But I, Ole Miss's passing offense has been pretty solid um, so far this year. Uh, the, the running game has actually been what struggled a little bit. Uh, and I don't know if that's teams just kind of queuing on Quinshawn because they know what he can do and they want to try and make Jackson dart in the passing game, beat them. Uh, but the passing game has been, has been looking pretty good. So if Jordan Watkins steps into that wide receiver one role in an unlimited waiver wire ad league, I, I would be interested in Watkins. Um, well, there you have it. There are the guys that we advocate picking up this week. I think there's some deeper, deeper names that are maybe watch list or, or super deeply guys. I see Jamal Bell from Nevada still floating out there a little bit. Uh, two pretty nice target weeks for him back to back here. Robert Lewis at Georgia State, I think, will be a steady guy throughout the season. Uh, Destin Wade, another guy at Ole Miss, could be interesting. Um, Casper Rutkowitz. Thank you. I knew I, you're the name <laughs> guy calling you. I can always kind of need to pronounce stuff. Yep. Always. Uh, NIU wide receiver, uh, eight, eight targets, nine targets the past two weeks. Uh, and then Holden stays a tight end, I think could be an interesting guy this week. And I get it. And I think if you had Aranda Gaston, for instance, and, and Gaston went down this week, we don't or know if you had Gaston and Dalvin Smith. Possibly. I actually have a team like that. Um, I actually started both of them last week. Guess how I did in that league? Not, not great. Uh, not super well uh, in last week's matchup. Um, and you really need a tight end. I think you could do worse, but I do think only five targets. This isn't the same offensive coordinator, same quarterback, same system as Michael Mayer. And I don't think Holden stays. I don't think it's fair to expect him to be Michael Mayer anyway. Um, so I, you know, I, I don't know that he's like a guy that I'm rushing to get, but if I have unlimited waivers and my tenant situation is a mess, uh, you could definitely uh, do worse than him. But I think if you have, I don't know, I trying to just trying to think of like random names like that. I, you know, the, if I have my tight end room is like Dallin Holker, Harold Fannin, Amari Nyblack, and Brevin Span Ford, and then a freshman or something. I'm probably not rushing to get stays. I think he's kind of just more of what I already have on my roster. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. I, I think he's intriguing. But that's why we put him on the watch list. I'm not necessarily sure how repeatable that performance is going to be. Although uh, I do think that Notre Dame could have a really nice week passing the ball this week against Central Michigan, whose passing defense is atrocious. Um, I don't have any of them in, a, in the start sits because I felt like uh, it was maybe a little bit too obvious for guys like Sam Hartman. And I'm not sure I trust um, Great House too much yet. But no, I still don't. He hasn't been getting heavily targeted. I yeah. think he had what two targets this past week or something like that. Two catches at least. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that the targets were much more than that. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't quite trust him yet. But 
I, I could see Stays having another big week this week, but I think it's going to be a mirage. Yeah. Well, we're two games into the season, guys. Before we do our start sits, um, if uh, the weather's changing a little bit, maybe uh, it's starting to get uh, sweatshirt weather in the mornings or in the evenings, wherever you are. I think uh, I think you should head over to Homefield Apparel. You know, get Absolutely. some of uh, their sweatshirts are actually my favorite thing that they have. Uh, promo code uh, Campus to Canton, the number two, uh, gets you fifteen percent off over there on in your first order. Um, we're not telling you to create new emails if you've already got an account with them. We're not saying to do that. To get we're not not off, saying. Yeah, you know, that. we and I'm offering a deal you can't refuse over here. So um, go check those out. Uh, pretty much any college you can think of off the top of your head, uh, they got stuff over there. So I've actually. Uh, we'll probably do that this week. Probably head over and get at least one new sweatshirt before it turns cold and before Kelsey realizes that uh, that I'm buying stuff. So uh, <laughs> we'll do that. All right, on to start sits, Colin. And for the uninitiated or just as a refresher, we take a look at our early week start sits. Uh, we rapid fire these names at each other. We uh, 10 starts, 10 sits. We do not give these lists, lists to each other beforehand. Uh, so obviously sometimes we have uh, repeats, you know, we, we each might have a name or two that are similar. Um, and these are non-obvious names. So uh, in the past, we always said we can't, you can't say start B. John Robinson. Um, you know, but we, you, you might say sit B. John Robinson. So that, that's kind of the point. And now I guess B. John's gone. You might not say start Marvin Harrison Jr., but maybe you say sit Marvin Harrison Jr. I think he's the, the closest analogy there. Uh, last week, uh, it's it's been a little rough early season. I think part of that's due to the scheduling has made finding yes. some of these outlier guys a little more difficult. I think overall it's been a pretty chalky season so far. Um, so uh, we're both below 500. Colin, you're about four uh, games better than me. Oh, and I picked Dalvin Smith to start last week, and he did not count. Right. So I'm actually – I only have, uh, what, 39 uh, overall uh, mm-hmm. Uh, right you know players have counted as opposed to your 40 that does happen uh from time to time so uh colin do you want to start us off with the start starts yeah absolutely uh my first start is luke mccaffrey wide receiver rice uh they get texas southern this week um texas southern allowed 371 yards passing to toledo 275 yards passing uh, last week to prairie view this is a soft G5 defense and Rice threw for 401 yards last week against Houston. Not that I think Houston is a particularly great defense, uh, but 401 yards out of Rice is impressive. Um, Luke McCaffrey had 12 targets last week, went seven for 99 and two. Uh, week one against Texas, he went two, uh, 22 and one, but he did have seven targets. So the target share has been there. JT Daniels is probably the best quarterback Rice has had in, I don't know, 20, 25 years, if I had Never. to venture a guess. Um, so I, he has a competent quarterback play, soft matchup. Uh, I like Luke McCaffrey this week. Yeah, I also put Luke McCaffrey, and I'm just trying to pull up my notes here real quick. I said, uh, if JT Daniels can play like he did last week, McCaffrey, I think, could legitimately be a low-end wide receiver one the rest of the season. So. Um, I think he's probably a guy that after this week we might not be able to to use anymore. But yeah, uh, it's possible. I think last week is closer to what we can expect uh, weekly than week one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, my next one here, it's a little bit of a gut call, a little bit. 
Uh, Isaiah Bond, wide receiver for Alabama. We just trashed Alabama's quarterbacks and the wide receivers. Um, but Isaiah Bond is one snap behind Jermaine Burton for most pass snaps out of a wide receiver. He's second in targets and catches behind Prentice. He, US, they get USF this week. USF allows the sixth most pass yards in the country, 355 per game. I, I feel like there's a breakout coming here. I feel like Alabama is going to come out of that loss to Texas. They're going to be pissed. They're going to be trying to prove something. I feels like this is going to be an Isaiah Bond breakout week. So it's a little bit of a gut call. Uh, you might have some better options, but I feel like Isaiah Bond is a good start this week. Man, you're never going to believe this, but I also no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I actually didn't do a list. I'm just going to say I I also have him. Every time. Oh, I had him too. Man, that's crazy. Uh, what are the odds? Uh, so my first one is Dominic Richardson, Baylor running back. I'm starting against Long okay. Island University this week. Um, I think we kind of wrote him off because I don't, I, I think quite frankly, he's not very good. Um, but the staff at Baylor seems to like him because he's I know, dependable. I guess that's like the nice way to put it. Um, he's averaging 15 par- carries per game. I think the game script here is going to be good. LIU gave up over 100 yards to Sia Bangura two weeks ago against Ohio, and that offense has not been clicking from a rushing perspective at all. Um, backup quarterback in for for Baylor. Uh, this this screams 110 and three touchdowns for Dominic Richardson. Yeah, that on 31 carries. Yeah, I I'm upset because I I cut Dominic Richardson in like a couple places at the beginning of the year, um, and it feels like maybe I was a little preemptive. I had a league where I didn't have enough draft picks to cut him and so i held him and uh, it, uh, it, it has worked out well so i've been very happy about that development okay um my next start here this one might be a little bit obvious but i'm starting him for the rest of the season as well uh it's jaron okay. bradley wide receiver for texas tech if you're gonna say that then you have we have to he has to hit 20 points every game the rest of the year or else this doesn't count <laughs> i'll come back and mark this one wrong don't think i won't <laughs> Um, no, because it's got to be 20 fantasy points every single. What about average? What about average 20? What about average 20 fantasy points the rest? Yeah, okay. All right, I could I could see that one out of him. We'll do it. Jaron Bradley, wide receiver, Texas Tech. Um, he's been the guy for Texas Tech. We've been trying to figure out who it was going to be. It's it's Bradley. He's got 22 targets. He's six more than the than the second most, which is Price. He's got the most catches, 13. Price is the next closest with 10. He's got the most yards, the most touchdowns, 19 and 22 fantasy points the past two weeks. They get Tartleton State this week. Uh, I'm firing Jaron Bradley up this week and moving forward. I feel comfortable in that role now for him. Uh, next up for me is EJ Warner. Um, Ooh. yeah, uh, not a great week. They just got handled pretty easily by Rutgers. Um, but EJ Warner in that game still threw 40 passes. I just think they don't know anything else. Like I think if that offense is going to run, it's just, it's, it's through the air at Norfolk state. Like you can say, yeah, it's a weaker opponent like duh, but I don't think he would have been near the top of anybody's list no. to start next week. Um, but I think he'll, th- I think he'll throw it 45 times and I expect probably 30 points from him. Um, I don't want to say 30 points. Easy, you said it. He's got, I get it. He's got to get, gotta get it. <laughs> Average it the rest of the season. Mark it down. 
that's interesting. That's not somebody I would have thought, but I, I don't hate that call. Um, my next guy up is Corey Kiner, running back for Cincy. Uh, he's got 33 carries on the season. Next closest running back is 10. Back-to-back 100-yard games. He's averaging 8.1 and 7.8 fantasy points, or um, 8.1 and 7.8 yards per carry. He only has one rushing touchdown on the year, which I think is a little bit of a concern moving forward given Emory Jones' usage. But he's going to the the touchdowns are going to come with that usage. They get Miami of Ohio this week, um, who was a little bit stouter against the run last week against UMass than kind of what I was expecting. But they're still giving up 156 rush yards per game. Uh, I think Corey Kiner is going to have a big week. Um, did I put Kiner here? No, I did not. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. Um, Darius Taylor is next up for me, Minnesota running back against UNC. Uh, UNC let, uh, Nate Noel from Appalachian state go for 125 and two last week. I thought they had solved some of the rushing issues, but it turns out maybe South Carolina just can't run the ball at all. Um, I think Taylor gets the starters workload this week and every week moving forward. Um, and so I think he goes over 20 this week, uh, and what should be like, uh, Minnesota can't throw the ball either. So that, that no. I think they just got to run the ball. I think Calic Manis stinks. And I want every Minnesota sports writer to think about what they did all off season with trying to convince <laughs> us that he was good. They sat there and go, this guy's amazing. And literally everything that we've ever seen is to the contrary. Like you guys suck. I'm sorry. You suck. <laughs> Row that boat. Assholes. <laughs> You have an axe to grind there, it sounds. I just don't, Um, like, and maybe this is an indictment of that coaching staff that you have to be, like, just overly stupidly positive anytime you write something about the program or else they won't give you access, which, like, if that's the case, then shame on all those guys. Yeah. Um, uh, My next guy that I'm starting here is Samson Evans, uh, running back for Eastern Michigan. Uh, kind of struggled. Uh, EMU has kind of struggled running the ball a little bit here the first two weeks. Uh, 11.2 and 8.8 fantasy points from Samson Evans. Uh, 11 carries, 52 yards, and a touchdown. 16 carries, 73 yards. Um, but they get UMass, and UMass allows 210 rush yards per game. Uh, their rushing defense is pretty terrible. I think that Samson Evans and Eastern Michigan are going to kind of get it back on track here this week. Um, I'm starting Malachi Corley this week, uh, which doesn't sound that bold until you see that they're playing Ohio State and nobody else on the team's healthy. Yeah, <laughs> um, so a little risky. Um, but I do think just like because there's no other options and the game script's going to be tilted so far one way, like this is this is the kind of game that he might get 20 targets because Ohio State's going to be getting after the quarterback. What does he do? He operates a lot short intermediate game. I uh, I'm I think he gets enough volume this week that it just doesn't really matter. He's I bold bold prediction beginning of the year was that he got 125 receptions. We missed a game and a half. I'm gonna double down on that. I think he still gets it. I think Ooh, he still gets it. Okay. All right. Well, we're gonna come back, and that's gonna be he's got to get 125 catches for that to be. But this one doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> we got us. We got to just start. No one to self edit ourselves here as we're talking. This, <laughs> this is bad. <laughs> It is. We're making some outlander statements. Um, all right. My next start, Caden Salter, quarterback for Liberty. And if he, let me just start by saying if he is available out there in your waiver wire leagues, uh, in your leagues on the waiver wire, I would pick him up. 
he was my one guy that I said would help their stock the most this year, right? That I did say mm-hmm. that. I yes, did you did. That. Okay. Yep. Okay. Sure. Um, but yeah, Caden Salter, quarterback, Liberty. He uh, eleven for twenty for one hundred forty-three yards and two touchdowns. Uh, fifteen of twenty-five for two seventy-six and two. The following week, nineteen carries, eighty-two yards, nine carries, forty-three yards, two touchdowns. He'd be getting it done through the ground, uh, on the ground, and through the air. They get Buffalo. Um, Buffalo allowed 300 yards passing against Fordham and Fordham like got completely raided this off season by, uh, old dominion. So not that Fordham can't still be good, but like it's an FCS program and Buffalo allows the, uh, they're 94th in pass yards per game. They allow 243 pass yards. Uh, they are 127th in rush yards allowed per game. Uh, 232 rush yards, and they are 121st in points allowed per game. This is a terrible defense. I think this Liberty team is going to shred them. Uh, sure. Why not? Uh, I we I believe that we no. I predict. I said CJ Donaldson start last week, and I was wrong. You said Garrett Green start last week, and you were right. Um, but here's why I think CJ Donaldson is a start again. I'm going to keep saying it till it freaking happens. Um, (laughs) you just gotta, well, you had him as a sit the first week and he burned you. So now he was a start last week and he burned you. You got to get it. You got to get one of them. I'm just going to keep saying it. He burned us week one. I'm just going to flip a coin every week. And that's what I'm going to say. CJ Donaldson, um, Pitt just, they play Pitt. I think Pitt wins this game, but Pitt just got lit up on the ground by Corey Kiner. Who, granted, I think Corey Kiner is probably a better player than C.J. Donaldson, um, but I think uh, I think Donaldson will have a good game. And I think he kind of got rested a little bit last week against uh, everybody's favorite uh, Pittsburgh-based school, Duquesne. So, uh, and just in case anybody is wondering, we do know it's pronounced Duquesne. We I live that. I live five minutes from Duquesne's campus. Yeah. Yes, I do know uh, <laughs> how it is pronounced. Um, my next start is Smoke Harris, wide receiver, Louisiana Tech. Uh, week one, he went bonkers. 11, 155 and one. Um, since then, seven for 47 and two for nine. But they get North Texas this week. North Texas gives up the 14th most pass yards per game, 306.5. They give up the second most points per game, 52. And they played FIU and Cal. Um, so it's not like they're playing these juggernaut teams. Uh, FIU and Cal are pretty questionable offensively. So I think Louisiana Tech is going to torch North Texas. This could be a very high-scoring game because Louisiana Tech doesn't have a great defense either. Um so I, I think Smoke Harris is going to have closer to that 11 for 155 and, and a touchdown. I'm starting LeJonte Wester this week. And honestly, probably pretty okay. much every game this year. Um, look, I, 9 and 16 targets the past two weeks. Clemson has not played any good receivers yet at all this year. They haven't even played... Here, how's this for a hot take? They haven't even played a, good, a quarterback that can actually throw the ball consistently. So <laughs> suck on that, Riley Leonard fans. Um, Look at I you, think, Michael Nelson. I'm not saying Casey Thompson's better at all. I'm just saying I think this offense is specifically designed to throw the ball a lot, and Casey Thompson can throw the ball a lot effectively. Uh, and so I think Wester, I don't know, 14 targets again. That wouldn't shock me if he goes for like 785 and one, even though FAU probably loses to Clemson by three touchdowns. 
I was considering saying him as a sit, but I think the volume is going to be there that I didn't feel good enough saying him as a sit, but I think that's a bold enough start. More likely scenario is that he gets like 14 and a half points and nobody goes home happy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My next start here is Travion Henderson running back Ohio State. Uh, I'm starting him this week. Uh, He leads the team in carries at 17. He's got leads the team in yards, 103. Not particularly uh impressive numbers there but they get western kentucky this week western kentucky gave up 384 yards rushing to usf uh and it wasn't all byron brown either um they got gashed on the ground by naquan Wright, and they gave up 155 yards rushing to houston christian last week this is just not going to be a good rush defense uh and ohio state you know Kyle McCord has has struggled a little bit. You know, he he bounced back kind of last week against uh, Youngstown State, but this team has a lot of good running backs, and I think this is the week where we're going to see a breakout game from Travion. I'm starting Sam Brown this week. Um, I'm pretty firmly on the Sam Brown train. Um, It's... I talked a little about this on um, the collective podcast feed this week that I think we're not going to see a Houston offense that we've generally think of where there's one guy i think we're going to see two guys who are both one b's in terms of like their production this season matthew golden and sam brown um i said on the tailgate this week that stone cold i gar i freaking used the word guarantee on the tailgate that sam brown hit that 50 and a half receiving yards prop pretty sure he did it in the i don't know if he did in the first quarter or not but it was pretty freaking fast he had 130 something yards uh or i think on the game it was a lot more than 50 uh, I think we're going to see a lot more performances like that out of him moving forward. Yeah, I like that call. I think that Houston offense could be like uh, Dana Holgerson had at West Virginia with Greg Jennings and um, David Not Sills. Greg Jennings. Not that Greg Jennings. Um, Greg Jennings and David Sills, uh, where they both were really good. Both went for over a thousand yards, but it wasn't Tank Dell type numbers. That that Greg Jennings didn't put the team on his back. No, nope. Uh, my next, <laughs> uh, my next start is Jalen Daniels, quarterback, Kansas. Um, and honestly, I'm probably starting any Kansas player that I have on my roster, but I don't know with Devin Neal being out this week. I don't know who else you have. Uh, I don't know how deep your league is, but I see I feel- some. I see some people that are like weirdly high on Grim and Fairchild. Or whatever. Yeah, uh, I'm not. I don't think either are rosterable. But you do, you uh, guys. Yeah, I don't really think so either. But they get Nevada, and Nevada just got gashed by Idaho. Idaho's a good UC, a good FCS team, but it's still an FCS team. Uh, they give up the third most pass yards per game, 383. Uh, 19th most rush yards per game, 108 point, 182.5, 49.5 points per game, fourth most. Bad defense. Um, and Jalen Daniels was healthy last week. Um, he went 20. He looked pretty solid. 21 of 29, 277 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Uh, he also had 11 carries on the ground. Um, 19.5 fantasy points, though. So would not have been a start last week. But this is the week. Fire him up. I'm starting Shamari Lawrence. FIU oh. running back against UConn. Do you have him? No, I don't. Oh, you know who that is? <laughs> I do. Yeah. We talked about him as a potential ad like week one. Um, 15 snaps each of the past. uh, 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 They've played three games and they're two games versus FBS competition. He's gotten significant run. 
Uh, UConn is bottom 10 or 11. They're right around that range against the run overall. Uh, I expect uh, probably 100 yards and a touchdown out of him this week. I could see that. Uh, my last one is Jaden McGowan, wide receiver for Vanderbilt. Uh, he has had he has been incredibly consistent so far. Six for 72, six for 70, and six for 72 through the three <laughs> games so far. <laughs> you think um, he gets to 70 and he's like, okay, I gotta be done. <laughs> I think so. Six catches at 70 yards. He's like, all right, I'm good. Um, he has no touchdowns so far. But I think this could be a week where he gets into the end zone. They get UNLV, who's giving up the 27th most pass yards in the country. Um, and one of those was against Michigan, but the other one was against Bryant. It's an FCS program. And they had two receivers go for 109 yards and 81 yards, which would be a season high for McGowan. Uh, but I think he gets in the end zone this week. So I'm definitely starting Will Shepard, Mr. September, but I'm also starting Jaden McGowan. Last guy for me here, I'm starting Ricky Pearsall this week. I just think the volume's too good at Florida. He's really the only guy that's consistently uh, getting open. They, uh, uh, Graham Mert seems to like him. And I think uh, this game against Tennessee will be similar to the Utah game in terms of script. Actually, I think Tennessee will win by a little bit more because I think they, they can stretch the game out a little more eventually. Uh, but in terms of like pass rush, getting home, like just needing to go to your first read, like, you know, quick hitters, kind of low dot kind of stuff. That's what I kind of think this week will be. So I think Pierce all like, man, the tough, is it 17 and a half points is what we're doing this year. It's not 20, right? I think that's what we, I'm pretty sure that's what we said. said. 17 and a half and uh, 12 and a half is set. Um, yeah. uh, I like, I think like nine for 70 is like kind of what he does this week, like right around there, you know, like eight for eight for 70. Got to get in the end zone. Yes. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. All right. Hit your, hit your starters real quick. I'll hit all mine real quick and then we'll, we'll go to sits. Uh, Luke McCaffrey wide receiver for rice, Isaiah bond wide receiver, Alabama, Jaron Bradley wide receiver, Texas tech, Corey Kiner running back Cincy, Samson Evans, running back, Eastern Michigan. Caden Salter, quarterback, Liberty. Smoke Harris, wide receiver, Louisiana Tech. Travion Henderson, running back, Ohio State. Jalen Daniels, quarterback, Kansas. And Jaden McGowan, wide receiver, Vanderbilt. And I am starting uh, also Luke McCaffrey, Dominic Richardson, Baylor, running back, EJ Warner, quarterback at Temple. Darius Taylor, Minnesota, running back, Malachi Corley. Uh, Western Kentucky wide receiver, CJ Donaldson, WBU running back, LeJonte Wester, FAU wide receiver, Sam Brown, Houston wide receiver, Shamari Lawrence, FIU running back, and Ricky Pearsall uh, wide receiver at Florida. On to the sits. I'll kick us off here. I want to say this one first because it's going to make Colin very upset. I'm sitting Drew Alar. It's Illinois. Damn. Not starting him. Couple of reasons. One, Andre Lambert Smith got injured last week. It doesn't sound like he's gonna play this week, from what I've heard so far. Is that he, accurate? He came back. Oh, he did game. come back. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, I did not realize he, he, that. He came back for a little bit, but the game was out of hand. So oh, okay, just, okay, yeah. Okay. So, so I don't think he recorded another catch after gotcha. that point, okay. but he did come back. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Um. Okay. Well, then cross it's that still. point off. I don't even care. I don't <laughs> even care. You want to know why? Because Illinois has been okay against the pass. <laughs> And really, bad against the of, run. and really outside of that one uh, deep touchdown pass to, to Lambert Smith week one, I get last week was a little more buttoned up because of opponent, but like what? I, I, he hasn't been impressive. 
I really don't think. I mean, he hasn't been bad, but like he hasn't been impressive. I'm not playing him in a format that my quarterbacks can both go out and score 45 in any given week. I don't think he has that in him right now. Yeah, I uh, I wouldn't start Drew Allar either. I'm not going to say that I wouldn't go as far to put him as a sit because I do think Illinois is a little softer defensively. But um, yeah, they, they've kind of kept Drew Allar bottled up to start the year. Like I said, you know they're they're going to keep the Ferrari going the speed limit, and then maybe later on in the year they'll they'll unlet him, they'll let him go uh, a little bit more. But I like that call right now. Um, my sit is so this one is a little bit low hanging fruit here um, because he is injured and might not play, um, but it's Jeff Sims quarterback nebraska i'm sitting him for forever i'm this, done this I'm feels done. like a cheating answer i don't know i know right, we well, need a referee in here i have to, another one prepared one. i have another one prepared just like i did last week um so i'll have my 11th one but i'm sitting him now and for forever that offensive coordinator is terrible moxley was 100 right uh, there was no reason to not run him last week they ran him 19 times a week before last week he ran like 10 times uh so it's ridiculous so, but i'm not starting jeff sims because he's just absolutely terrible and the offensive coordinator's terrible i'm sitting sia bangura this week uh iowa state i don't think they've been amazing defensively but after those first two or three drives this past weekend they they held iowa down pretty easily again i don't know that that's like an accomplishment but they did it uh banker has been under five yards per carry in two of their three games this year only more uh than two targets once in three games which was supposed to kind of be a night uh, provide a nice floor for him so just overall and i don't know like is wigless playing what's work look looking like i don't really know i don't know but no banker this week i actually also have see a banger as a sit i was considering the whole ohio offense but i didn't want to that 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 catches me sometimes and we didn't start off super hot for the years, so I want to limit some of those risks. But uh, so Sia Banger is also a sit for me. I went on and on about how much I like Chris Mitchell earlier, but I'm not playing him this week against UConn because UConn has actually been decent against the pass, which is why I said um, I'm more interested in Shamari Lawrence this week. UConn has been top 20 uh, pass defense thus far. They held Georgia State to below 150 yards last week. Um, and that feels like maybe even a slightly better passing offense than what I would typically expect on a week-to-week basis out of FIU. Um, I, th- I think they can take Chris Mitchell out of it. Um, so sitting Chris Mitchell this week. Who I like rest of season quite a bit, by the way. All right. Uh, I am sitting uh, Byron Brown, quarterback for USF. Going up against Bama this week. Like I, said, I think Bama's going to be out to prove something. I think they're going to be, they're going to come out pissed. Um. I fully acknowledge that Byron Brown with his legs is probably going to get pretty close to that like line for yeah, us. So this why is why I didn't play. That's why I didn't say him because there's definitely a scenario where he runs for 140 yards. There, there is. So I, it's probably going to be bad on. It's probably going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you, the listener. But don't start Byron Brown this week. You probably have better options. Okay, uh, I'm sitting. Uh, who's my next guy here? I'm sitting Dre McCray this week. Uh, I'm just sick of his shit, quite <laughs> frankly. <laughs> Fair enough. He, he, 
10 targets through two games, if you want to give me to give my actual answer. 10 targets okay. through two games. He only played 25 snaps last week. Why? No reason. No reason. The staff is being difficult. Fair enough. Um, I am sitting Tennessee's passing offense this week. I'm all sitting, of it? All of it. I'm sitting Joe Milton, Joe Milton. I'm sitting all the wide receivers. I said passing offense. Because I mean, the way I'm not the comfortable r- starting the running backs. What are they? Doing? I'm probably not either, but I am worried that they could, that one of them could could burn me because they have been very efficient on the ground. Uh, but they get Florida this week, and Florida allows the eighth fewest pass yards in the country. Now that is slightly skewed because one of those is against McNeese, and the other one is against Utah, who was starting um, Bryson Rogers, but. I still don't trust this Tennessee passing offense. I think Florida's defense is solid. Um, so I'm not starting any of them. Uh, I am sitting both of the Akron wide receivers against Kentucky. Uh, no DJ Irons. I'm not sure that's a positive or a negative, but no DJ Irons who's their starting quarterback and uh, uh, Kentucky opposition. I think that's going to be a tough one for him. I am also sitting Daniel George and Alex Adams. Um, Same thing. Uh, But neither of those guys have been particularly impressive through the year so far. Um, George leads the team with six catches for 100 yards. And then Adams has eight for 86 and one. And that's across two games. Yeah, not been uh, not been great so far. Um, Next up for me is Austin Reed. I'm sitting Austin Reed. So, yes. You heard me correctly. I am starting Malachi quarterly, but I'm sitting Austin Reed, and there are plenty of scenarios in which that makes sense. Um, I think quarterly can get that volume, but I, I do think overall, um, I don't know that Western Kentucky scores more than 21. I don't know that would be enough for Austin Reed to to get to the the point mark that we would need. Whereas 21 points, quarterly gets one of those, and he catches nine passes. I mean, he's he's there. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's very fair. Uh, I am sitting the BYU running backs, Aiden Robbins and LJ Martin. I'm also sitting them moving forward to Aiden Robbins is dust 10 um, carries for 29 yards on the year. Martin looks a little bit better. 22 carries 118 yards on the year. Um, Slovis has three rushing touchdowns though, which I don't know where this is coming from, Uh, but they get Arkansas this week and they're averaging the fifth fewest rush yards against with 45. So I'm not starting either of the BYU running backs. I'm sitting Caleb Jackson for the foreseeable future. I thought that we could see something out of him for Iowa this year. Um, Caleb Johnson. Sorry, Caleb Johnson. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you. Probably Caleb sitting Jackson. Caleb Jackson, the freshman running Don't back. Don't be fooled by LSU his two too. touchdowns last week. Um, yeah, that's what I really meant. No, yeah, Caleb Johnson, I think he's a sit until further notice. He didn't even look. He wasn't even the most explosive back on the team last week. Um, there was some other dude whose name I don't even know, and I don't care to know because he's not relevant either. But uh, I think Johnson is – I haven't adjusted my rank, my running back rankings yet for this week. There are some small tweaks I do every weekend season. I don't want to overreact anything, but, you know, you, you try to keep things uh, fluid. Uh, he's probably going to drop 30, 40 spots for me at minimum. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Uh, my next sit here is Jack Plummer, uh, quarterback for Louisville. Uh, he hasn't really looked – that good this year um 247 yards passing in both games oddly enough um he had a, an interception against 
Georgia Tech. He had two picks against Murray State. Um, 24 and 10 fantasy points so far this year. So uh, not quite as good as we were hoping for. I mean, that week one against Georgia Tech was solid with 24. Um, but uh, they, they get Indiana this week. Indiana's past defense has actually been been decent. Uh, they held Ohio State to 239 yards and no touchdowns through the air. Uh, now, Ohio State was still kind of figuring themselves out, so I don't think that Indiana's a defense that's necessarily going to scare you moving forward. Uh, but they're probably better than Murray State and Jack Plummer through two picks against them. So I'm not starting Plummer this week. Uh, I know we kind of talked about it earlier, but at Drake May is one of mine for this week, just not playing him. Um, so, yeah, that, that's that. Minnesota's been pretty good against the pass this year overall. Mm-hmm. Granted, Jeff Sims and then, what, uh, Eastern Michigan last week? But, I mean, I, I, I don't believe. I am also sitting Drake May. Um, yeah, basically the same things you just laid out there. I, I don't really trust him moving forward. I'm sitting Joe Milton. I'm not going to do the whole pass attack because I'm not a <laughs> maniac, but I'm not starting Joe Milton. <laughs> we got a lot of overlap here. This week, I think, was especially was difficult really to find yeah. sits. Yes. It, it, it's the last week of soft, soft schedule, and it's like really soft. <laughs> it's really bad. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, so then it's back to you. Uh, one, what do I want? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. One, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, I only have nine. I thought I had 10. That's all good. I'll um, think of another put, one before the end of the week. Sounds good. I put 11 down on my sheet. So I'll give me one of yours then. No, because not, not Jeff Jeff Sims. The Jeff Sims doesn't count. Um, are you at the end of your list? Yeah, it's nine. I'm putting them on the show sheet as we go through this, man. This is completely Yeah, I have 11 on here. You've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Huh. Okay. Uh, so then, all right. Oh, and Jeff Sims was on there. Okay, that's where my math's not adding up. Okay. I, had, I was like, I'm pretty sure I have 11 on here. Um, all right. My next sit is Keon Coleman, wide receiver for Florida State. Oh, well, this uh, is an interesting one. I considered it, but I didn't have the balls. Um. Yeah, so he had that bonkers game week one, and then last week he went three for 48 and one against um, Southern uh, Miss. Now, granted, that game got out of hand, um, but they also get Boston College this week. Boston College allows 215 yards on the ground to NIU and Holy Cross, uh, rush, uh, 215 rush yards per game. Um, there's also going to be 30 mile an hour wins supposedly during this game i think florida state just runs all over boston college they probably don't throw a ton the game gets out of hand quickly uh i don't trust keon coleman this week yep that game just for anybody the the line opened at 56 and a half i got it at 55 real quickly and i still thought i felt really good about that it's now down to 48 i believe i saw um the wind is gonna be a legit uh issue and i think I don't think Boston College can score. So there's like yeah. the other, like their points are coming. It's going to be very one-sided. Yeah, I'm upset. So it was a busier day at work for me. So I didn't see that until like when I looked, I think it was at like 50. And I was like, well. Yeah, I wouldn't have played it at 50. Yeah. And, it's kind of continued and to now it's, yeah, now it's still dropping. So I didn't get that quick enough. But that's why you got to be in the Discord 
over there on the NIL channel. We dropped that at 10.14 a.m. this morning. And the line has jumped, what is that, like six? Eight points. Eight points. I'm yep. not good at math. Uh, I, my I can next... tell you were trying to figure out how many names you said earlier, and that was a real struggle for you. It was a struggle. That's basic math, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my next sit is Kamani Vidal, running back for Troy. Uh, they get James Madison this week. Uh, James Madison allows the third fewest rush yards per game uh, in the country, but the 30th most pass yards per game. Uh, and that was going up against Virginia and Bucknell. They let a, tr- a freshman throw for 377 yards in that game against Virginia. Um, this is a pass funnel defense. They, uh, James Madison, th- this like third fewest rush yards per game is not an aberration. They had the best rush defense last year from a defensive rush success rate and a defensive EPBA per play rate, both categories. They just have a good rush defense and a terrible pass defense. So, I think Troy's going to tear him up through the air. If there was an option that you wanted in the pass game for Troy, then I would probably start them. Um, but I'm not starting Vidal this week. Uh, I think that's yeah. 10-ish. So It's 10, but I have my Yeah, give us your other up. one. Give us your All other right. one. Um, Braden Shager, uh, quarterback for Hawaii. Uh, he had 24.8 fantasy points week one against Stanford threw for 355 yards and three touchdowns. And then they get Albany who should have been a cakewalk and he throws three interceptions. Now granted he did throw four touchdowns, but uh, they get Oregon this week. And, you know, Tyler Shuck didn't get the sit mark. Like I said, but I also didn't expect Tyler Shuck to rush for like a hundred yards and a touchdown on the ground. So wasn't expecting that Braden Shager will not do that. Um, Oregon has a pretty good pass defense here. So I'm not starting Shaker this week. Um, all right. Um, let, let's say him and then we'll get out of here, Colin. Uh, my nine, I'll find another one. Uh, Drew Alar, Penn State quarterback, Sia Bangura, Ohio running back, Chris Mitchell, FIU wide receiver, Dre McCray, uh, Texas Tech wide receiver, Alex Adams slash Daniel George wide receivers from Akron. Austin Reed, quarterback, Western Kentucky. Caleb Johnson, running back, Iowa. Drake May, quarterback, UNC. And Joe Milton, QB, Tennessee. Uh, I am sitting Jeff Sims, now and for forever, quarterback, Nebraska. I'm sitting Byron Brown, quarterback, USF. Tennessee's entire passing offense. Um, I just realized I have so many quarterbacks on here again. That's what hurt me last week. What am I doing? Um, sitting BYU running backs, Aiden Robbins and LJ Martin, Akron wide receivers, Daniel Jones, George and Alex Adams, Jack Plummer, quarterback, Louisville, Drake May, quarterback, UNC, Sia Bangura, running back, Ohio, Keon Coleman, wide receiver, Florida State, Kamani Vidal, running back, Troy and Braden Shager, quarterback, Hawaii. All right. Well, that is going to do it for tonight's show. Make sure you're tuning into all the other great podcasts here on the feed. Check out campustocanton.com. Check out the YouTube channel. Frankly, just check out everything that we got going on. I promise you won't regret it, whether it's C2C League, CFF, Debbie, basically anything you've got going on. Uh, the recruiting stuff is starting to, to enter into full swing as well. So check out the official uh, and our recruiting rankings, which are up on the website we could have talked about it i think it happened while we were recording micah hudson uh the my top wide receiver i believe is a group our top receiver in the class committed to texas tech 
That's a fun one. Five star oh. kid. Texas Tech doesn't get a lot of those guys, so um, should be fun uh, moving forward there. We will be back next week. He might Still break the year one zero this year. <laughs> Bring him up, baby. <laughs> Better than Dre McCray. Uh, we'll be back next week for Campus Life again. Until then, guys, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Have a good one.